The History Channel Original Podcast. If you turned on ESPN yesterday, you might have caught the annual Nathan's Famous Fourth of July International Hot Dog Eating Contest. Every year on Independence Day, a bunch of competitors meet on Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York, to face off in the Super Bowl of competitive eating. But one legendary figure in the community was not there. Takeru Kobayashi. Back in 2001, Kobayashi launched competitive eating into the stratosphere. He became an instant celebrity, appearing in commercials, getting mentioned in talk shows, and breaking countless world records. Kobayashi helped legitimize the novelty event as a sport. For years, there's a symbiotic relationship between Kobayashi and the competitive eating league, until there isn't. In 2010. A disagreement between the league and one of its biggest stars reaches a breaking point. At the annual July 4th contest, Takeru Kobayashi will not compete. Yet he ends up at the event and winds up getting arrested. How did things get so ugly? We'll hear directly from the people involved, including world champion eater Joey Chestnut and the main character of our story, Takeru Kobayashi. Through his interpreter, mostly. Hi, I'm Takeru Kobayashi at Competitive Eater. Stick around to the end of the episode for a surprise announcement about the next step in Kobayashi's career. Sports history this week, July 4th, 2010. Competitive Eating's original superstar takes a stand. I'm Kaylin Jones. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. Every summer, New Yorkers and tourists flock to the offbeat neighborhood of Coney Island for its amusement parks, beaches, and its hot dog eating competition. So for like someone who's never heard of it,、um, wait a minute, wait a minute. Someone's someone's never heard of it. <laughs> I, I pity these people. This is Gersh Kuntzman. He's talking about the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest, an event he's covered as a journalist for decades. The contest begins as a way for Nathan's Famous, a hot dog company, to promote their product. According to Kuntzman, the early organizers would just ask random people passing by to jump in. It was basically just meant to be a photo op for the daily papers doing their normal summertime, you know, opening of summer coverage. When the event first starts, it isn't very popular. There was nothing when it started. George Shea is the longtime host of the Nathan's Contest and current chair of the organization that runs it. In 1991, he takes over the event as a press agent. From there, he turns it into a real show. Watching people eat hot dogs or anything. 
without any sort of show around it is boring. The presentation developed and I began doing introductions, but we do all kinds of things, an opera singer, rap battles, and then that took on a life of its own. This is a battle of the titans. We try to create a sort of very lighthearted, very fun, a little bit silly show. The league calls its members warriors, horsemen of the esophagus, and weapons of mass digestion. The motto for the event, engorging truth. Over the years, the event grows bigger. Crowds go crazy. Competitive eating might sound like a uniquely American sport, but it's actually pretty popular across the Pacific in Japan. And when they heard about the stature of our event, they wanted to win. Japanese competitors do begin traveling to Coney Island each July to compete at the Nathan's Contest, including a 23-year-old from Nagano, Japan, named Takeru Kobayashi. I'm Takeru Kobayashi at Competitive Ita. We spoke to Kobayashi at the home of his agent and translator, Noriko Okubo. Kobayashi doesn't speak much English, so we'll hear him through Okubo's voice. Kobayashi told us he was introduced to competitive eating through another sport he played, baseball. And one of those rules was to eat a lot for your physical well-being. And I just remember that that was really tough. Tougher than actual practicing at the baseball. But Kobayashi finds he's good at eating. Really good. He starts competing and, well, dominates on a competitive eating TV show in Japan called TV Champion. One year, the winner gets a unique prize, the ability to travel to Coney Island and eat at the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest. Kobayashi wins and will have that opportunity. The only problem, he's never actually had a hot dog. So, the adult. In preparation, I was trying to look for something that was similar in Japan. What did you find that was similar to a hot dog, to an American hot dog? I decided to create my own fish sausage. And for the buns, I used regular white sliced bread. It's July 4th, 2001. Takeru Kobayashi remembers stepping off the bus of champions onto sunny Coney Island. Many of the American eaters present are hundreds of pounds heavier than Kobayashi, who clocks in at just 130. Typically, the Nathan's contest is used to seeing heavyset men compete. Obviously, the media didn't pay attention to me. They thought, what's this scrawny little kid, teenager coming to compete in an adult's fight? A year earlier, in 2000, another Japanese competitor named Kazutoyo Arai won the grand prize, a decked-out bright yellow wrestler's belt they call the mustard belt. So in the pre-show interviews, Americans talk about winning the belt back. One of us will win. And you plan on eating how many hot dogs? 24 and better. So why'd you eat breakfast? Why not? The competition is simple. The 20 eaters will have 12 minutes to down as many hot dogs as possible. The current record is 25 and 1 8. Three, two, one, go! 
Kobayashi takes a bite of an American hot dog, if you can call it a bite. He separates each dog from its bun, and then he breaks the dogs in half and stuffs both halves in his mouth at once. For the bun, he grabs a cup of water. Gersh Kuntzman. He was the first guy to dunk them, to make the buns so mushy that they kind of just squeezed down his throat. And he just was fast. I mean, you can't minimize how fast he was. An onlooker calls the performance frightening. Kobayashi's way ahead of the next competitors. He does this sort of wiggling shake he's now famous for as he eats, to speed up digestion. A fan yells out his support. Gersh Kuntzman is judging that day's contest. He's holding up a binder full of numbers to keep track of Kobayashi's hot dog consumption. My numbers went up to, I think, 35. At 35, I ran out of numbers, 40, 50. So I had a blank yellow piece of paper and I wrote 50 on it. 50 hot dogs. Announcer's screen. He's broken the American record by double. Imagine doubling the record from 25 to 50. Think about that. That's like if Secretariat didn't win the Belmont by 31 lanes, but won it by 131 lanes. It's <laughs> like if, if Will Chamberlain didn't score 100 points in that game, he scored like 250. He started an entirely new era. Takiro Kobayashi came out of nowhere, and like I said, 50 hot dogs and buns in 12 minutes made him an international celebrity immediately. Every newspaper wants a piece of the story. One Michigan publication writes, Little man with big appetite. Out of Saskatoon, Canada, Japanese whip yanks and hot dog eating duel. Well, the kid had no reputation at all. I mean, he shows up out of nowhere and you're like, oh my God, who is this? He's the darling of Broadway all of a sudden. It was a big deal. The next year, Takeru Kobayashi returns to the U.S. and wins again. Reporters are calling him the Michael Jordan of wiener woofing. I could clearly feel that I was becoming more famous. My life partner has become the hot dog, really synonymous. My name, myself, being synonymous with the hot dog. Kobayashi shows competitive eating doesn't have to be a carnival event. There can be strategy and training. It can be a sport. And he can be its first major athlete. So really, that was the mission for me. And I wanted to really ponder what it was to be a real athlete. And at that time, I was just being very stoic, being very strict with myself. Like any athlete, Kobayashi trains hard. He fills his stomach with water to expand it. He experiments with ways to stop his throat from getting tired, figures out how to consume all that food without gagging. In 2003, he pulls off another repeat. That's now three years in a row. He's in a tier of his own. Suddenly, Kobayashi is even being talked about on late night TV. The Daily Show's Jon Stewart. Oh, Japanese guy. Aren't you full yet? (laughs) Even the most casual competitive eating fan recognizes Takeru Kobayashi. Kobayashi has screeching fans, lands commercials, sets new records in other eating contests. He even goes on the Fox series Man vs. Beast to compete against a bear. Kobayashi walks into a TV studio with a Japanese flag on his side and an American flag on the other. 
for the bear. The beast. He descends from Kodiak Island, Alaska, and weighs in tonight at 1,089 pounds. The bear stomps toward a huge plate of hot dogs. Kobayashi stands ready with two dogs in front of his mouth. And it is underway. There we go. Here we go. The bear is going forward as well. Look at that, Mike. No hands for the bear. Okay. There's one competitor Kobayashi can't beat. He still has more than 20 dogs left by the time the bear finishes. The Alaskan Cruncher is our new champion. Yes. I spoke with Kobayashi's wife and former manager, Yukako Maggie James, about his meteoric success. Why do you think he captured the American public fascination or just the international public fascination? It was like almost like a miracle, perfect explosion for branding and marketing. She attributes Kobayashi's popularity to a perfect storm of factors, like his good looks. His nickname was Prince Kobayashi because he looked like a heartthrob idol, like a Japanese idol. His speed and his size. It just made everyone like stand on their tracks and like wonder, what just happened? What did we just see? And there's a cultural element at play. Beating the Americans with their own soul food on their own soil on Independence Day on their country's birthday. That last element is part of what makes Kobayashi's victories so compelling. American competitors are watching a Japanese man half their size beat them on the 4th of July. It's a narrative the league plays up. So you get the, the fractures, the rivalries going on there, even between the Japanese amongst themselves and, of course, the Americans and the Japanese. The, big the rivalry goes back years. Even in 1996, a headline read, Japan snatches top dog title from U.S. Fans chanted USA and waved American flags. A Japanese TV crew co-sponsored the event. The cultural battle sells. It ups the stakes, and Americans love a good international rivalry. After Kobayashi's emergence, the event just keeps getting bigger. The organization in charge of it, called the International Federation of Competitive Eating, starts launching more events. In 2002, the IFOS holds 35 events. In 2003, that number jumps to 75. That same year, ESPN picks up the Nathan's Contest. Alfred Ryan Nurse is a former Nathan's Contest host and author of a book about competitive eating. When Kobayashi came over, I think the International Federation of Competitive Eating, the Shea Brothers, they had to change their take on it and be like, oh, I guess this is actually feels pretty serious and we got to get serious. And yeah, it basically turned it into, you know, a modern media friendly sport. To the press, George Shea, the IFO's executive director at the time, credits Kobayashi with ushering in the modern era of the sport too. They built him up and vice versa. We put enormous energy behind Kobayashi, and I believe that he benefited from that platform. Shea says Kobayashi holds a unique level of star power that draws people in. I want to be clear that the platform benefited from his star. You see what I'm saying? It was not either or. It was a synergistic effort, mutually beneficial. Together, Kobayashi and the IFOs have already sent the sport far higher than it was even just a few years ago. But that mutually beneficial relationship 
is about to change in a dramatic way. I feel like I was very much a part of creating the fame mm-hmm. for that competition. But at the same time, all of a sudden, I was being painted as the enemy. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here we go! July 4th, 2007. At the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest on Coney Island. Kobayashi has now won six years in a row and hopes to win a seventh. But now, he has a real competition. Someone who's risen through the ranks the past few years. A California-born eater named Joey Chestnut. With the Japanese-American rivalry brewing, Chestnut's being hailed as the American savior, the great red, white, and blue hope. Like any sport, competitive eating takes a toll on an athlete's body. And that year, Kobayashi almost doesn't make it to the Nathan's contest. He's dealing with arthritis in his jaw. Oh, come on, Joey, now. The fans want you. Kobayashi brought it. With just 30 seconds left, Chestnut and Kobayashi are tied at 61 hot dogs eaten. And then... Chestnut has done it! Joey Chestnut wins with 66 total hot dogs. George Shade drapes an American flag around his neck. After six straight years of destroying his competition, Kobayashi loses. I think there was a sense of loss, a little bit of sadness. Kobayashi threw his translator. But it wasn't necessarily anger at myself or feeling, you know, humiliated. Yeah, no, I can tell, man. Like, (laughs) just the way you carry yourself, very admirable. But something changes for Kobayashi after the 2007 competition. And he says it's not about the loss. It's about the environment around the event. So when we do 
Even though I loved this platform, I also realized that there was sort of a change in the vibes of the audience. You can read it in the newspapers. Headlines like, America celebrates new eating champ. Articles question whether Kobayashi really had jaw problems, or if that was just an excuse for being afraid to lose. Here's this foreigner who is coming to create humiliation for the American people. And that was sort of the atmosphere that was starting to be very strong on that day. I understand wanting to push that nationalistic pride that day, for sure. I super understand that. But it just felt a little bit different. I bet it did. <laughs> uh, that's a welcome to America moment, um, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> From there, it gets worse. Kobayashi's former manager and wife, Yukako Maggie James, remembers fans calling Kobayashi racist names. They would just start saying things like, go home, Shanghai boy, go back to China. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Just imagining how that feels to be on a stage with thousands of people screaming horrible racial slurs at you. I couldn't take it. It was making me so angry. There's been a Japanese-American rivalry brewing within the Nathan's competition for years. But to James, that dynamic shifts in 2007. When I saw them starting to pit America and making it very, it wasn't that way at the beginning. But when they started making it really like, nationalistic and saying it was between Japan and America. At the beginning, it was kind of cute and funny, but it wasn't like nobody was taking it that way. James takes issue with the way George Shea interacts with the crowd. He's the chairman of the competitive eating organization and the guy with the mic hyping up the crowd. Here's Shea in 2007 after Chestnut beats Kobayashi for the first time. We have our confidence back! Shea says he never treated Kobayashi or any Japanese eaters with any xenophobia or racism. Though the implication here that those six years of Kobayashi winning were dark days. Here's George Shea. This is completely honest. I would take a lie detector test. Never anything racist or xenophobic about the way we treated Kobayashi or any of the Japanese eaters or currently. And the whole America versus Japan narrative, it's just part of the show. He felt that that was an attack on him. It was, it was not. It was playing with the crowd and this kind of thing. So it was not intended to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, I'm always working the crowd and I will always be working the crowd, but I'm not going to do that at someone's emotional expense. Regardless of Shay's intentions, Kobayashi is feeling pushed out by the competition. By 2009, He's lost to Chestnut three years in a row. And then, a contract comes across his desk from Major League Eating, formerly called the IFOS, the sanctioning body behind Nathan's Hot Dog Contest and many other competitions. The National Post had a copy of the contract. According to the paper, the agreement would forbid performers from earning money in competitive eating events outside the league. It would also allow the IFOS to be the exclusive representative of the performer for any revenue opportunity, including personal appearances, merchandising, licensing, and much more. The league would then get a cut of the payout. To Kobayashi's team, the terms of this contract are, quote, totally unfair. 
During that whole year prior to 2010, we were in heated discussions over the contract. According to Major League Eating, it's simple. If you want to compete in our Super Bowl, you have to join the league. Joey Chestnut remembers receiving the contract. In fact, I even got to ask him about it. I'm Joey Chestnut, world champion competitive eater. Back in 2010, Joey Chestnut remembers the contract situation. We gave them a lot of rights. At that time, Major League Eating was the only show in town. And so if you wanted to do big contests, you had to agree to only do their contests. Kobayashi and the league are in negotiations prior to the next Nathan's contest in 2010. But nothing has worked out. Chestnut knows what it's like dealing with Major League Eating. Our shrewd businessmen, they, uh, right. <laughs> they don't give you an inch. It's not a hobby for them. It's, it's their jobby job. Kobayashi has a decision to make. Sign the contract or give up Nathan's events and quit the league. Nathan's is what put me on the map. It made me famous in the U.S. So I have a lot of strong, you know, emotions connected to that competition. Kobayashi has never seen himself as just the hot dog eater. He's a serious competitor who helped pioneer eating as a legitimate sport. So to him, his decision is about more than just his own fate. I knew that unless we were able to raise the rights, our rights, the athletes' rights, it would really be the death of, of this sport. The 2010 Nathan's contest is inching closer and still no deal has been reached. Gersh Kuntzman remembers the rumors about whether Kobayashi would compete. We had heard that Kobayashi was not going to compete. And we had heard that it was because of a contract dispute. Now, nobody believed that. Actually, it turned out to be true, but nobody believed that. They just thought either Kobayashi was sick of losing or, you know, we didn't know what happened. Kobayashi remembers hearing all sorts of rumors that he won't compete because he wants more money, even though in reality, he's willing to do it for free. Unnamed insiders are telling the press he's afraid of losing. Meanwhile, Kobayashi has no way of clearing up the narrative. So at the time, there was no Twitter. There was no way for me to communicate my message to people. They were holding me back, this contract. That's the message that I was intent on communicating. To convey that message, Kobayashi and his team hatch a plan to show up at the 2010's Nathan competition uninvited without signing the contract and make a statement. The night before the competition, Kobayashi and his team come together at an apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. They paint shirts with the words Free Kobe in green, meaning freedom from the league. The next morning, they head to Coney Island. As usual, George Shea is on the mic. Who dares to tell me the United States of America is not the greatest nation in the history of the world? Tens of thousands of people have crowded on the surf and Stillwell on Coney Island. Many are excited to watch Joey Chestnut, the reigning champ, who spent the past several years beating Kobayashi's records. Chestnut remembers being on stage. I was so focused on the contest, and it was like it might have been the hottest year ever there. But Chestnut wolfs down dog after dog. He wins the competition, consuming 54 hot dogs. By now, 
Kobayashi has pushed his way into the audience, wearing his free Kobe shirt. He remembers hearing fans chanting, Let him eat, let him eat. I was so excited from that chanting. And in my mind, I was hoping and praying that there would be an 11th hour change, that the contract would be signed and I would be able to eat. Joey Chestnut doesn't quite understand what Kobayashi is expecting here. It was like, after the contest, you're like, oh, you guys are going to eat, now I'm going to eat. The whole thing didn't make sense. Kobayashi walks toward the stage in hopes of showing his shirt, spreading his message. And no one stopped me. Author Ryan Nurse. There is a Barnum and Bailey element to competitive eating. Like, is this a publicity stunt? Is this real? Why is Kobayashi doing this? Soon after he gets on stage, police officers grab Kobayashi from behind. He holds onto a railing as the NYPD puts him in a headlock. Police pull him off stage. What happened? Kobayashi, what happened? What happened? Let me eat. Let me eat, he says. In retrospect, seeing Kobayashi pulled off by police is kind of a disturbing image. It was disturbing in its day because I thought it was an overreaction. Kobayashi is handcuffed, arrested, and charged with trespassing, resisting arrest, and obstructing governmental administration. Kobayashi even spends a night in jail. Peanuts butter sandwich. And that day they brought me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it was completely dry bread and it was not good at all. So even though I'm like a competitive eater and a champion, I couldn't even, you know, <laughs> but the arrest is no joke. He's terrified it could threaten his visa status. The New York Daily News calls Kobayashi's actions berserk behavior. Major League Eating calls it inappropriate and unfortunate. Others say he's trying to steal Chestnut's thunder. A month later, Former hot dog eating champ Takiru Kobayashi walks out of court a happy man. The charges against Kobayashi are dismissed. He's put on probation for six months. Here's George Shea on the whole situation, from the contract issues to the arrest. So that put a very black eye on our relationship or soured our relationship for good. Kobayashi never signs a contract with Major League Eating. In 2011, the league removes Kobayashi from their wall of fame, something meant to memorialize the world's greatest eating athletes. In 2013, Major League Eating's president tells the press the league's growth was not stunted by his departure. In Kobayashi's place, Joey Chestnut takes over as the star of the show. Chestnut's won Nathan's every year but one since 2007, setting a ridiculous record of eating 76 hot dogs in just 10 minutes in 2021. To Joey Chestnut, the contest does go on as normal, but Kobayashi is missed. People really were bummed out that he uh, wasn't around. And people love competition. They love rivalries. He was definitely missed for a few years. George Shea. The contest was very powerful before he came and has been very powerful after he left. But to be honest, you can't pull Kobayashi out of the history of this. He was critical. 
After 2010, Kobayashi starts a new chapter of his life, a chapter without the league where he got his start. So after all of that, after getting arrested, <laughs> competing in 20, or not competing in 2010, you know, as a free agent, uh, for you, was that a better experience? Potentially not as a competitive eater necessarily, but for my own personal life and well-being, I think it was the best thing. He's made a living making appearances all over the world, doing sponsorships and commercials, like this one for Coors Light. And at the end of a long, hot day, what does the world's fastest eater call for? Coors Light! After 2010, he continues to eat competitively, even breaking Guinness World Records. In 2016, he says he's making more money than ever. For Kobayashi's wife, Yukako Maggie James, his legacy is about more than hot dog eating, though. It's about standing up for himself. He might as well be famous for it, you know, instead of just eating hot dogs, I think. And now, Kobayashi says he's thinking about retiring from competitive eating. He's even talking to Joey Chestnut about one last rematch before stepping away from the game for good. We don't know when exactly it'll be, but it will be an epic battle. This would be my final match, and I will retire after. I'm really trying to raise my morale and hoping for that rematch to take place. You've heard it here first, guys. Wow, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, man, that's got to be breaking news. So they... <laughs> uh, this is the platform for breaking news. <laughs> yeah, because Joey has said that, you know, he's departed with MLE so that he could fight me. He could do rematch with me, but I haven't really publicly said it. In answer to that, this is the first time. <laughs> wow, exclusive. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 2008. Rafa Nadal faces Roger Federer in the Wimbledon final for what many now consider the greatest tennis match in history. 2019. The U.S. women's soccer team defeats the Netherlands to win its fourth World Cup. If you want to get in touch, feel free to email us at sportspod at history.com or leave a voicemail at 212-351-0410. Special thanks to our guests, Joey Chestnut, competitive eater, Yukako Maggie James, Kobayashi's wife and former manager, Takeru Kobayashi, competitive eater, Gersh Kuntzman, longtime New York journalist, Ryan Nurse, author of Eat This Book, A Year of Gorging and Glory on the Competitive Eating Circuit. Noriko Okubo, Kobayashi's interpreter and agent. And George Shea, chair of Major League Eating. This episode was produced by Cooper McKim, story edited by Julia Press and me, Kaylin Jones, and sound designed by Isaac Lee. Sports History This Week is also produced by David Ingber. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks, Hazel May, and Jonah Buchanan. Our senior producer is Ben Dickstein. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Copyright 2023 A&E Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved.